everybody. Welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. I have an awesome, awesome episode for you today. But before I get into it, I have to tell you something that I'm very excited about. And you guys know I don't do a lot of small talk uh, leading into the episodes, but this is kind of a big deal. It feels actually kind of weird talking about it because it's been something I've been working on for so long and haven't talked about publicly that it almost feels like I'm telling you guys a secret that I'm not supposed to tell you. But the secret is out, and the secret is my book, my Nose to Tail Organ Meat Cookbook is officially available for purchase. It is out there in the world. It's ready for you guys. And I'm so, so excited to finally have it out there and not have to... I mean, I'm still thinking about it, but I get to think about it less because now it's just out there in the world, which is very um, a huge weight off my shoulders, a huge book-sized weight off my chest, which is fantastic. The book is called It Takes Guts. It's a little bit of a play on words there that I thought you guys would appreciate because the book deals with cooking organ meats, aka guts in some cases, as well as brains and tongues and hearts and livers and uh, all kinds of delicious goodies. And I'm going to be talking about it more at length in the future. I'm going to be posting all about it all over social media, all over my newsletter. Um, But just so you know, we'll put this in the show notes too. It's there. You can pre-order it. I would love for you to do that. Um, You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Chapters, wherever you buy books. It's available. And uh, I just appreciate everyone's support and everyone's enthusiasm and excitement for the book. It means so much to me. This has honestly got to be one of the most exciting career milestones in my entire life. So the fact that I get to to write something that I'm passionate about, share it with people, hopefully entertain and and teach people some things, um, and just just share it with the world is is incredibly exciting for me. So that's that. Um, if you have any questions, if you if you buy the book and you want to talk to me about it, whatever, send me a note on social media. You can send me an email. My email is in the show notes. You can reach out to me on my website. Um, there's information about the book there too. Whatever you want. I'm here for you. I will teach you how to enjoy liver. It's good for you. Okay, moving on to the episode today. Um, I'm doing a really fun Q&A with a good friend of mine. Her name is Dr. Ellie Michelle Lippman. She's a licensed naturopathic doctor. She specializes in individualized women's medicine, optimizing hormones, digestion, and energy. Um, she is another one of those just fantastic, holistic kind of practitioners who wants to work on restoring balance. And that's balance in the body. That's balance between the body and the mind. Um, That's balance between your fitness goals and your life goals and your mental health goals and your emotional health and all of these things by uncovering the root causes of health concerns rather than just slapping band-aids and pills on the problem. So um, she is just an incredible warm and intelligent person. And she always has so much to offer when we get together and chat and we talk about a lot of stuff. She has a specific expertise in eating disorders, um, and so we were able to kind of bring all of this, all of her expertise, all of my understanding about some of these things, and answer questions um, from you guys. I'd put out there uh, for folks to kind of send in questions to her, so we talk about things like vitamin deficiencies and overcoming body insecurities and what your cycle is telling you about your health. Um, issues around keto or low carb diets or fasting. Um, And one of the fun things that we really kind of get into, because I always get really worked up about it, is um, misconceptions over what it takes to be 
toned, and I'm doing air quotes right now that you can't see, but that is just the word. That's the word that every, so many of us as women and men too, uh, we want that toned look and we don't really know what that means. I think people think it just means not having a lot of body fat when really what they're talking about is having a nice, beautiful, muscular body. Um, that is the muscles are visible to people. I think that's what toned means at least to me, but, um, there's a lot of misconceptions about how to get there. Um, and so we really dive deep into that. And from my personal experience of being a competitive bodybuilder and just being a woman in the fitness industry, um, from her perspective of having a dysfunctional, um, approach to eating in her own life and dealing with clients all the time who are struggling with this, um, it's, it's a lot. We, we get into it. It, it's fun. Um, it's intense as always. That's what I love this podcast to be. Um, so I appreciate Ellie for taking the time and chatting. I really hope you enjoy it. She's so fantastic. You got to make sure you follow her and learn more about her and what she can, uh, offer you because she's got, um, one-on-one, uh, client stuff that you can do online. She's got a newsletter. She's got all kinds of stuff for you. So, um, check her out, check my book out, Check it all out. It's all good. And without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Ellie Michelle. All right, we are recording. So welcome back, my good friend, Dr. Ellie Michelle. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be back. I'm so excited to do this. We yeah. have done a couple, uh, or at least one, I think, at least one, one. Um, Okay, podcast interview, yeah. but... I've been meaning since I rebranded and made this podcast just bigger and better, I've been meaning to have you on to talk about some specific uh, topics that are of a lot of interest to um, my listeners, specifically regarding uh, hormones and um, relationship with food and just kind of general health for women, um, which of course you are an expert at that and we can talk a lot about a lot of different things. And I was able to kind of crowdsource some questions, some specific questions um, from folks on social media. So we'll kind of get into those. Um, but before we start, before we really get into the nitty gritty, I just wanted to see like how you're doing with life and work and everything as we are now entering into, I don't know, the fifth or the 50th month of this new normal. And, you know, we, we text each other and talk all the time about <laughs> what's going on, but just sort of like high level, how are you feeling right now about life and work and everything? Oh, wow. Be thank honest. You for, be yeah, honest. Thank, yeah. Thank you for asking. Honestly, it, it's, it's kind of funny because for completely separate from everything that's happening in the world, because there's so much happening in the world, just speaking on a personal level, I actually feel fantastic. Like I feel like probably the best I've felt in a really long time. I think it has, it's probably, I think it's related to a combination of being able to really simplify these last several months and really just stay focused on what truly matters to me. And I don't have, there's, there's really no distractions. You know, I have to just stay completely like, not, not single, not single focused, but I'm just much, I'm very intentional with what I'm doing in my time, with my time and everything that I'm doing is something that's getting me towards the life that I want for myself. So that feels really fulfilling. Um, and I feel like just my relationships, I've grown, I, I feel like my relationships are thriving. Um, a lot more time in nature, mm-hmm. optimizing my sleep. I really dialed that in. It's so much better than it was before. 
Um, and my body, I think, just feels more relaxed. It's responding really well to everything that I've been doing. So personally, I feel really great. And business-wise, I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful that I set my practice up to be completely 100% telemedicine, completely virtual before all this happened, before we even had any idea that all this was going to happen. So I feel really blessed that I've been able to continue working and doing what I love and just developing my business. Um, and it, I haven't been too impacted by everything that's happening. So yeah. that's been really awesome. That's amazing. That makes me very happy to hear. You are basically crushing it. I mean, <laughs> and it's like, that's, that's sort of like, what are the options? You know, like I, I actually just today, I put out a newsletter and I kind of wrote a little blurb because I was having a moment, like I have my good days and bad days, right? Like generally speaking, things are great. Very similar to you. Like yeah. I'm able to kind of, I'm really trying to grow business wise. I'm really trying to sort out my life health wise and relationships and all of that stuff. And for the most part, I'm doing it. It's pretty good. And then I still have days where I wake up and I'm like, everything sucks. Everything's the worst and I hate it. And I feel like we're in this industry, both of us, cause we're kind of peripherally like in the wellness yeah. industry, right? Definitely. And, and there's sort of like this narrative, there's always like two opposite sides to every coin that are extreme, right? Whereas most of us fall in the middle, but I just feel like there's a, there's a lot of narrative in the fitness, like high, high functioning fitness world about, you know, it's not a winning mindset to have a bad day or to complain or to be miserable. And mm -hmm. I want to challenge that a little bit because I don't think that's a realistic message to send to the general population that if you feel shitty one day, that that's weakness and you need to get over it. Um, I, you know, I don't think anybody who knows me would say that I'm like a negative kind of Eeyore type of person. Right. But I have days where like, I things suck and you're miserable and you're okay to feel that way. And I think it's really more about what you do with those negative feelings, how you use them to improve your life. And there's also a difference between, venting negative feelings to people that you trust and just complaining for the sake of complaining with no actual hope of improving things or changing things, right? That's one of my biggest pet peeves with myself and the people I love is when you complain and you don't want to fix it. Cause I'm like, what am I, what are we doing here? We're right. wasting time, you know? Right. But I think that it's, I just feel like sometimes I get the feeling from people in my community that it's like, Oh, you're, you're negative today. Like, I don't want to hear that from you. Like, that's not what you're here for is to be negative and talk about how you're having a bad day, like get over it. And I just, I just want to, to remind people that it's okay to feel crappy, even when you don't have a good reason to, cause we all do. And the people online who say that they never dwell in those feelings is lying to you, you know, but it's like, how long do you stay there? What do you do with those emotions? You know, how quickly do you get out of it? How quickly do you get back on track? is I think the more important yeah. part of it. So I don't even know where I was going with that other than to say that <laughs> it's okay. It's yeah. okay for some days to feel like you're crushing it and other days that aren't much different than the other day to feel like things are terrible. Let's just, we're in a weird time and that's what happens. Um, and you know, it's okay to feel that way. So yeah. Anyway. I know. I, I love that you said that. And I, by what I said to your first question, I don't mean to sound like, oh yeah, I'm like all the time. I feel fantastic. And I'm just like, everything's hunky dory. That's not what I, I mean, I have days too. You know, I'm the same as you. I'm overall, I mean, you can tell everyone tells me I smile all the time. Like I'm a very naturally like happy, positive person, but that's what people, I mean, that's what my um, persona is when I'm around people, you know, right. when I'm 
by myself, I for sure have my moments. And I actually consider myself, people who are really close to me know I'm actually pretty, a pretty emotional person. And I cry very easily. Mm. And I actually am really glad that I do because I feel like I, I can process emotions really quickly that way because I just feel it when it's there. Yeah. And, then I, and then it passes. And so I also have days where I just will feel way more down or anxious or just everything that's happening in the world will weigh on me much more heavily. I feel like, oh, well, you know, I need to do something about it. Um, but I think that, like you were saying, it's really important um, for everyone. I, I was about to say women, but I think it's important everybody. for men and women to be conscious of the emotions that are coming up and allow yourself to feel them. Because if we don't, then that's when I think problems happen and yeah. our health becomes affected by that because emotions are energy in motion and it has to like that energy has to go somewhere. If it doesn't move through you, it's going to get stored. Yes. And I would almost oh. say in this case, it's like maybe men need to hear it even more than women because we do have, you know, a culture that sort of does allow women to be more, um, openly emotional and share their emotions with, whereas with men, it's sort of seen as weakness, which is another whole problem we could go into that showing emotion or doing anything considered feminine is considered weak or less than that's a whole other podcast we could get into. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's like with anything and we're going to get into this with the health conversation we're having. It's about balance because you obviously don't want to dwell in negative emotions. You don't want to get stuck in a negative feedback loop. You don't want to let your emotions completely control your life and everything you do, but you also don't want to get stuck in this like self-help cycle where every time you feel a negative emotion, you're like, no, no, that's not happening. I'm not doing that. That's not real. That's exactly. not, yeah, it's not helpful either. So yeah. I guess we've talked about this before, but that's why balance, I feel like is actually the hardest thing to achieve. Like being a hundred percent one way or 0% another way is pretty easy. You can follow strict rules yeah. and get there, but finding this balance that just works for you and makes you happy and makes you fulfilled is actually the yeah. much tougher way to yeah, do it. And just, and just recognizing and accepting the fact that being human comes with a full range of emotions. We can't always be up here. It's going to be like this all the time. Yeah. And you just get to ride that. And so if you can, when you're having a negative, or I don't even like to say negative versus positive because it's all neutral. Like none of it is good or bad. I don't like that we label like, oh, it's good to be happy and it's bad to be sad. That's yeah. what the pharmaceutical industry is like, oh, you're depressed, bad, pharmaceutical. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's not, it's just, we're going to feel depressed. That's part of being a human being and shit's going to happen. And there's yeah. going to be hard times. There's no avoiding it. And when we try to avoid it or resist it, that's when we, you know, that's when things get even worse. Yeah. So if we can just accept that, that just, this just comes with the human experience and you're just riding the wave. Like if it's going to go down, you're going to be back up again. And then when you're back up, you like, okay, I appreciate this moment. This is great. This feels awesome. But then there's going to be a down and then you go back up. It's just constantly riding that and taking care of yourself through it. So I think also when you're feeling that way, when you're feeling those emotions that are maybe less pleasant to feel, that's when it becomes that much more important to go back to your self-care and do the things that you know are going to make you feel good in your body so that you can process that emotion better. Yeah. Being a human is messy. We just have to yep. get used to it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, okay. So I don't want you to uh, obviously disclose anything um, super personal about patients, but generally speaking, 
with the, the patients and the work that you're doing right now since quarantine has started and over the last few months, has there been any kind of significant trend of like specific questions or challenges people are having <laughs> or things that they're dealing with that maybe are different from, because we know there's like these universal issues that we're going to discuss today, but like, has there yeah. been anything kind of new and interesting that you've been dealing with generally speaking? Ooh. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> people are stressed. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's more than normal. Oh yeah, there's been a lot more stress for various reasons. Some people are, um, you know, genuinely stressed about the fear surrounding what's going around. Um, some people, there's it's a financial impact. Um, some people, it's just the being having to stay at home and you know being stir crazy, not being able to go out or go to work or have their usual routine. So there's a lot of different reasons why this has increased people's stress levels so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has definitely been, you know, stress and anxiety has increased a lot for, I would say, the majority of the women that I work with. And then period issues, you know, people are having their cycles are getting kind of wonky, whether they're shorter or longer, or they're having more symptoms associated with them. So, I mean, of course, it's no brainer to me. I mean, that's very much correlated to the stress. Um, And then, of course, also people's uh, just day-to-day routines have been impacted so much because, they're at home, they have less routine. So maybe their sleep schedules off. Some people are staying up way later and sleeping in more. And so in some cases that can actually be really good. You know, if they had a really, they weren't able to sleep very much before and now they can really catch up and sleep in. That's actually really great. So it's just, it's so different from person to person. Um, but it's definitely had a big impact on everyone. And is there any, I mean, again, we'll talk about uh, your recommendations and general recommendations about managing stress, um, which are sort of universal and ongoing. And I don't think there's like any new secret you're going to tell me today about managing stress that I've never heard of before, but, but have you been approaching it in any way differently because the circumstances that people are living in every day are different? Or does it again, just kind of always go back to these basic lifestyle choices that we need to make for ourselves? It definitely does always go back to the foundational pieces of how we take care of ourselves. Um, and again, it depends on kind of what the primary reason the person is stressed is. Uh, th- that will depend how I approach it. Yeah. I think um, there's been for, in some cases, just more focus on immune support because that can help calm people's anxieties about that. If they feel like they're, they're pro- being proactive about taking care of their immune system um, that can kind of help to calm people's stress levels. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I just really try to be with them for whatever it's, it's again, going back to what you were saying about, um, finding the balance and being, it's okay to have these, all of these things that are coming up for all of us in terms of our emotions, just be holding space for that and not trying to be like, Oh no, it's okay. Don't worry. You know, I don't want to downplay it because that doesn't help. And I think a lot of us have this like discomfort with when somebody else is having any kind of discomfort or uncomfortable emotions, it's hard for us to, to just be with them through that. And I think that's one of the most healing things is to allow that person to be wherever they're at and not try to fix it. Yeah. Just validate them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is hard because the only thing worse than like sitting in your own shitty feelings is like sitting in someone else's right. And just feeling helpless. Maybe I suppose when we reframe that concept to you sitting and being with them and listening and being present for them is a action. It is a thing that you're doing to help. 
you know, even if it seems yeah. kind of, it feels kind of like, you know, you're not doing anything at the time. That's actually very important for people. Yeah. But I also think that I, one thing that I've definitely been focusing on with multiple patients is again, getting back to the things that kind of raise our energetic vibration because everything that's happening is very much like sucking our energy into this low place. And so the vibration of the world is just kind of like down here in the mud right now. So I think that whatever we can do to lift our vibration. So like for me, I've been like spending way more time outside listening to music because music is one of the things that really like puts me in a good mood and makes me want to dance and just lifts. It brings my energy up to where it naturally is. You know, if I, if I'm like in the feeling the best that I could possibly feel, that's where I want to be as much as possible. And music really brings me there. So I think just being aware and staying aware every day of, of how we're feeling from moment to moment, depending on what we're doing. And then we can really think, Oh, wow, I really felt like I was just in this blissful state of being in that moment. What was I doing that brought me there? Cause a lot of times it's nature. A lot of times it's music. Sometimes it's, um, you know, like some kind of creative activity that will bring people there. Anything that kind of gets you into the flow state. Yeah. That's what's going to really, it, it doesn't have to be like you go sit and meditate for an hour. You know, that doesn't have to be it. It's anything that brings you in, into that state of just feeling completely present. Yeah. And you're that. not thinking about, you're not in your head ruminating about all the things that are happening or, um, yeah, you're just not in your head. You're in your body. Yeah. And, um, I think that's, that's really, really important right now. Yeah. I think that's why I miss the gym so much and why for the first few months, like I've been kind of seeing like the change in how I'm managing this situation from the first few months of quarantine to the last few, because I, you know, and everybody kind of approaches it differently. Some people have like their first few months where they're like shell shocked and just, you know, in a, constant state of chaos and then they sort themselves out and I kind of went the opposite where like the first couple months I was like I got this don't worry about it like I'm doing my home workouts I'm crushing it I'm eating better I'm sleeping better and now like as we're in the summer and there's still sort of no end on the horizon and I'm just seeing I'm really starting to like internalize like what's going on in the world I'm like oh man it's just like, you know, I'm just, mm-hmm. it sucks. And like, it does. gyms haven't opened up here yet. And for a while we were do, we were trying to do like outdoor, like really um, mentally kind of challenging workouts that we're doing exactly what you said. It's like bring you into this flow state where you just are in yeah. your body, you're present, you're not thinking about anything else. You're just feeling your body and like exertion and like hard work. And that was so great. <laughs> and like the past couple of weeks, I've just been like, all right, I'm... <sighs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Like I'm working, I'm trying to stay positive. I'm trying to hold it together, but I really feel like I'm much more, I'm like much more in a holding pattern now than like crushing it, crushing it. Now I'm just like, am I not falling apart? Good. Sorted. And like, I give myself some credit for that, that like it could be worse. And my version of like holding pattern is very different than other people's. And like, I'm still doing fine, but I'm like, I need that. I feel like, I really feel like I need to spend some time thinking about what my next maybe physical goal is my next fitness goal, my next, um, not work related positive project will be, you know, because without any vacation, without any travel, without any of that, it's literally just been work, 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 which is great, but you need a break. Like your body and your mind needs a break. And I need to figure out what that is before I like really, uh, become a mess. So (laughs) I'm going to work on it. You help me, help me figure something out because I'm in it. Yeah. Let me know. And anybody listening, if anybody listening has any ideas for me, I did get a couple people say I should try out for the Titan games. 
I feel like I might be a little too short for it slash not fit enough, but I'm interested. Um, but yeah, if anybody has any ideas for me, let me know because I'm looking for a project. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I know. Um, Seeing that other project's going to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get to some specific questions. Okay. And we'll kind of see where it goes. So you were talking about one of the things that you're seeing a lot being um, weird cycle changes and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I had a question from an actual like coaching client of mine um, that I've worked with a little bit who has, and I know that this is a specific person, so you can't really like prescribe anything, obviously, in terms of advice for this person, but it's kind of a curious uh, situation where she was um, overweight, lost a lot of weight um, with a keto, ketogenic diet, found a lot of success with it. And at this point, I would consider, generally speaking, that she is at a healthy weight and a relatively healthy lifestyle, um, but she has been without a cycle for a significant amount of time. Mm. And she says that she's gone, she's talked to her doctors, all of her, all of her labs, I don't know specifically what that is, but she's saying she's getting all this testing and lab work done and everyone's telling her she's normal. Mm -hmm. um, now, obviously, loss of a cycle is a pretty telling um, signal that all things maybe aren't normal, but I guess the question might be from the information that I've given you, what are your initial thoughts? What are some things like maybe other tests she could be getting other things she could be changing? What, what could be happening there? Um, just general mm -hmm. advice about people who have lost their cycle, that it isn't obviously apparent that there's anything wrong with their lifestyle or their health otherwise. Yeah. I love that question. Um, so it is very common for women to lose their cycle after a significant weight loss. So it doesn't matter if they were, you know, what the weight, the starting weight was and what their current weight is. Anytime, any kind of significant weight loss, it's very common, especially if it's rapid. Yeah. So um, do you happen to know if she wasn't cycling at the beginning, like before she started the keto diet or was it did her cycle go away once she started losing weight? Yeah, I think my understanding, and she lost significant weight, like it was something like 90 pounds or something yeah. over a year. Like she, that part, yeah, is normal to me. I think the thing that is the question is that, you know, she lost her cycle at some point near the end of this significant weight loss, but okay. she's been sort of in a holding pattern at a healthy weight for like a year and still has not regained her period. Okay. So the... The two first things that I would look into is a, how is she eating? Is she still eating like she was, is on a weight loss diet? Um, because if she's continuing to eat very strictly keto and hasn't really gone back to kind of a maintenance, you know, there's, there's a way of eating for the weight loss, but then once you've normalized or when, as your body is now getting comfortable at this new weight, yeah. um, we need to look at, okay, are you actually fueling yourself enough now? Are you still in, in a energy deficit because in, to lose weight, she was likely in an energy deficit. Um, and the other thing to look at is her, um, her exercise, her movement, because if she was also exercising very, um, heavily, or if she was just very, if she was working out a lot for that, then if she's continuing to do that, that may not be helping her in terms of having her cycles mm -hmm. again. Um, so the other thing to ask is that if this weight actually is healthy for her, that would be something to explore um, because our, our culture, you know, the medical, the medical community has definitely a weight stigma. The um, diet and, and fitness culture always tells us smaller is better. Lower weight is better. 
Um, there's a certain body type that we're, we all think we should have. And not everybody has that body type and not everybody can be healthy at that kind of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And so it's something to, I mean, I would argue probably the majority of people can't. It's a, it's a select few people who actually can stay healthy and, you know, women who can have cycles at a certain body type. So um, that's something just for her to explore is, um, you know, is she still trying to eat very restrictively in order to lose weight and, and, or, or just to maintain? Because if you have to work really, 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 really hard to maintain a certain weight, it's probably not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That is a, that is a very tough conversation that I've had numerous times with clients where I've had to get over my feeling of like, I'm essentially telling a client to settle for something that they didn't actually want, but really it's a, it's a revising of what your goals are based on sustainability and health, you know? And it's not like, I don't think anyone's ever going to say like, don't try to get stronger or even improve your body composition. Like people could look at both of us and be like, if either of you want to change your body composition, you're crazy and you're nuts, right? Because we're fit people, right? Like my body isn't perfect. Your body isn't perfect. I don't know. But like we are healthy very much within a very healthy fit looking range, right? There's still nothing wrong with either of us having body composition or fitness goals, right? But it's when you're tipping the scales from this is like a kind of a fun project and you're learning about your body and you're improving and you're enjoying yourself versus this is controlling my life and I need to get to this goal or else I'm going to hate myself forever. It's like finding that balance, right? And I've had so many people who just come to me saying, I need to have abs. They have no idea why they need to have abs. They don't know what that's going to get them. They don't know how they're going to feel. It's because everywhere around them, they're seeing people who have abs. So we just think that that's what we need to look like in order to be beautiful or in order to be accepted or in order to be lovable. You know, it always comes back to a much deeper insecurity than just how we look. Yeah. And I mean, this is one of the questions. It's funny. This is like a massive topic that we've talked about before, everyone's talked about before, there is no answer, but it's still a question that people like to ask is how can we, you and I, as well as everyone else who considers themselves a part of the fitness and wellness industry, mm-hmm. how can we start to turn the tide from this ongoing narrative, whether it's veiled or overt, that you have to eat less and move more, right? That's how women get healthy. Mm-hmm. Versus a more nuanced approach to personalized nutrition, personalized goals, um, you know, your version of healthy, right? Because yeah. as much as a lot of people like to espouse this second kind of um, narrative, we're still doing it in a way that's like, but your end goal is you're going to look like a fitness model and you're going to, you know, do yeah. X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, you know, I, I still, so I'm in this workshop right now where I'm um, interacting with a lot of women who are looking to learn more about health and nutrition and the mm-hmm. biggest goals overall, every group of women that I've ever interacted with it's about trying to lose fat and then secondarily build muscle. Um, but the focus is always so much more on losing fat. And so, and this is not a condemnation or a judgment on any of these women who are looking to learn and sometimes um, are just being fed the wrong information and they're going with it. Um, but literally I'll have so many women who are like, okay, I really want to build muscle. I want to look stronger. I want to be stronger. I want to be capable. I want to build muscle. I also want to lose some fat. So here's what I'm doing five days of HIIT workouts, one day of strength training, uh, keto. Like it's just, there's so much, uh, emphasis put on fat loss, fat loss, fat loss, like intense workouts that just burn fat. And I'm like, how does anybody expect to build pack muscle onto their body 
doing HIIT workouts every day and eating in a caloric deficit, right? And just, and you're putting yourself into a state of catabolism. And like even men who gain muscle so much easier and faster than us and have so much more of an ability to just gain muscle. Like if you told a dude, like this guy's like, I'm trying to bulk up. <laughs> I want to gain 10 pounds of muscle this year. I'm doing HIIT workouts every day. And I'm following this super strict diet where I'm like in a minor deficit. Like every coach would be like, what do you think you're doing? That's stupid. Like that's, that's not going to work. You need to do, and you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go the other way and like bulk up and never do, um, cardio workouts anymore if that's what you enjoy. But the emphasis, it's so crazy. Like just how many messages are like, I want to gain muscle and lose fat at the same time. And I'm doing that by just constantly beasting myself with cardio and metabolic conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you think muscle is yeah. going to spontaneously grow right. on your body as a result right. of that. Like it's, I, I see that all the time too. I mean, I talk to women all the time and they're doing all these hit workouts. They're doing orange theory. They're doing spinning. They're doing the power yoga. They're doing all these things that at the end of the day, I mean, they still want that fit toned body. <laughs> Everybody wants to be toned and we're doing all these crazy intense things that have really, there's no, there's no, none of that strength training in there. Or yeah. they call, they think strength training is like, oh, Pilates. Yeah. Like, like, okay, I guess there's like a strength component, but it's completely, it's a completely different type of, 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 um, yeah, it's not the same as lifting weights. Yeah. And you have to, you, sometimes you do have to learn this for yourself. Like I know, um, I've always been heavily skewed towards weight lifting. Um, but even when I was like bodybuilding and I had to be lean for these competitions, I was just adding tons of cardio onto the end sort of. So like my approach was always build up as much muscle as you can. And then sort of as safely, but relatively quickly as you can kind of lose all that fat at the end, just so you look good for the a minute for the competition without trying to lose as much muscle as possible. So you're not like doing this super prolonged restrictive diet where you're going to start eating your own muscle and all of this stuff. So I would, I would do a lot of cardio too. And I really feel like this quarantine has taught me some things about minimum effective dose because yeah. I, even when I wasn't doing a lot of cardio, I'm still going to the gym like five days a week because I love it there. And that's also fine. But four or five months into not going to a gym, hardly lifting weights and literally doing no cardio except walking. And I'm like, my body composition has barely changed barely. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. shit, the amount of effort that I'm producing to make this much of a difference, which may actually in the long run have potentially hurt my health or whatever. So like, mm -hmm. it's like this lesson that I'm even picking up despite being in this industry for so long. And I'm like, I fully do not need to do hit to have a decent level of leanness that I enjoy. I do not need to heavily lift weights five days a week to maintain yeah. the muscle that I have. And of yeah. course, maintaining and growing is a different situation. Um, if I was trying to grow muscle during the quarantine, I would have had a much harder time without um, some of the resources that I enjoy at the gym. But yeah. it's just, it's lessons that I think sometimes you need to um, model for other people, show to other people, but ultimately people need to sort of get it for themselves a little bit too. And I just hope Definitely. that, you know, seeing some of our experiences or our lessons, like, you know, I'm, it just, you don't need to, you don't need to work so hard. You just need to work in a focused way with a specific intention and work yes. towards that specific intention, you know? Yes. And I wonder, do you, if you don't mind sharing, how do, you, how do you feel like your sleep has been now, like lately, since you have been not doing as much of the 
not pushing yourself quite as hard, resting yeah. more. How do you feel yeah. like your sleep has been and your, and your PMS symptoms? Mm. So we have talked at the beginning of quarantine about my weird inflammation, crazy <laughs> issues. I'll yeah. very briefly go over here. Cause I feel like I've talked about it on the podcast before and people listening are like, we get it. Ashley, you talked about your hives before. I don't care anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at the beginning of quarantine, I was, you know, going hard with the super healthy eating, sleeping really good. I was having some, some symptoms of what I believe to be just histamine intolerance. I was like breaking out in kind of hives. I was having some weird skin reactions that I'd never had before eating what turned out to be a diet almost exclusively of high foods <laughs> because they're also considered in yeah. most circles most of the time to be healthy very foods. Healthy foods. Yeah. So it's like bone broth, like, you know, fermented fish, um, avocados, honey, like everything that's healthy that is just crazy high histamine. And that combined with, you know, stress and not leaving the house and mm -hmm. reduced uh, sweating and working out. So I was having some weird symptoms there. I adjusted that through food. Um, and I focus, I really doubled down on trying to improve um, my sleep by not stressing out over it, by not looking at screens late at night, um, yeah. and by adjusting my eating window such that I wasn't, I didn't have like sort of a lot of energy at the end of the day because I'd like yeah. eaten a big meal late at night because yeah. yeah, energy is almost my issue. Like I have too much yeah. of it. So I, I need to like find ways to really bring myself down and, yeah. and I noticed significant improvement um, in my sleep. And I would say still also because of a supplement regimen that really works personally for me, mm -hmm. I'm still doing quite well with the sleep, better than I, than I was before quarantine. With sort of this, like, again, later, later um, in the quarantine kind of stresses and sort of just ongoing on and off misery, um, <laughs> the sleep yeah. still comes and goes, you know, and there yeah, are some hormonal fluctuations where like around my period, I'm gonna have a couple nights of like not as great um, sleep. But um, in conjunction with that, with like kind of managing the food and managing the eating timing and all that stuff, PMS symptoms have gone way down. And my PMS symptoms were usually just like one really painful day. Oh yeah, the weird boob thing, super sore boobs. Yeah. For, like a week that was bad, like really bad. And those, that's gone. No more sore boobs. Great. So I'm very happy about that. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm, I wonder how much of that is related to just chilling out a bit on the exercise and your, because so your cortisol has probably gone down yeah. and that maybe is affecting your hormones. It's so, it's so, it's such a weird concept because as I'm even talking about like women work too hard in the gym, like, and I'm also maybe guilty of that, but it's so hard for us to see it in ourselves because yeah. I, first of all, if I compare myself to other people in the fitness industry, I'm not working that hard, which is not a smart thing to do. You can't compare you their can. body's different. My body's different. But also when you don't register hard work in the gym as stress mentally, even if it is physically manifesting itself that way, it's very hard to make those connections because I yeah. saw going to the gym less as an added stressor because that's where I went to relieve yeah. my stress. That was a social oh. place for me right? It was so much fun. And now that I don't have that, I'm like, oh, this is making my life worse where it may actually be improving my health. I don't know. Totally. Totally. But is the, the mindset can get in the way, you know, maybe really it actually is going to, going to be supportive of health, but our mindset will kind of like twist it around and then we stress ourselves out about it. I th think what you said is probably so true for so many women. There's so many women who, you know, people who love fitness and women who love to exercise. And we, it's, we see that as a stress release. 
There's so many people, you know, I tell them, okay, you know, you need to rest more. You need to relax more. We need to chill. And they're like, no, but that's how I deal with stress. You know, that's how I like, that's how I cope. And that's, it, you know, that's where it's, it's such a fine line. Exercise is a healthy activity to a certain extent. We have to find the healthy, happy balance for our body. And there is no point comparing to other people because like you said, everyone's different and we all have a different stress, you know, Jade Tita, he calls it the stress yep. barometer. We have a stress barometer and everyone's is very unique. So certain, some people can handle a lot and some people are much more sensitive to it. Um, so we have to keep that in mind, but then also we don't even, we don't actually know what's going on for these other people. So yep. when we compare, like we just see what they post on social media or, you know, what they choose to share. We don't actually know what they're, internal health markers look like. We don't know what their hormones look like. We don't know what's happening for them on a mental, emotional level. We don't know how much, um, you know, body insecurity, body dysmorphia they have that's kind of running why they work out the way they work out. So there's just so many different factors that we don't know and it, it doesn't do us any good to compare. Sorry, guys, I'm interrupting my own damn self here to tell you about today's show sponsor. And before you skip through, I gotta tell you, this one is offering the biggest discount of any of them at 20% off. So maybe listen to this one. I'll keep it brief. Okay. All right. Bubs Naturals is my only source for collagen and MCT powder. And look, I'm nothing if not consistent with the things that I love, right? Basically my life is held together by collagen, coffee, chocolate, and organ meats. What else do you need, really? But anyway, Bubs makes the best collagen of all of the kinds that I've tried, which is a lot. It mixes better than basically any other product. Uh, their MCT powder goes into my coffee every morning and makes it delicious and creamy and full of healthy fats, which is great for people who are trying to, I don't know, stick to a lower carb thing, a keto thing. If you're trying to compress your eating window and you want to have something to tide you over in the morning, it's perfect. Um, the company also gives a full 10% of their earnings to a charity that supports military veterans, which is a cause near and dear to my heart. Um, and that's basically unheard of in the industry to give that much money to a philanthropic purpose. But they're basically a company that focused on giving back first before making making money, which honestly is very unique today. So they just happen to make really great products. So go to bubsnaturals.com, use the code muscle maven, get some collagen for your gut health and your beauty, get some MCT to support those low carb goals. And you're doing something to help the world and make it a better place at the same time. So bubsnaturals.com code muscle maven for 20% off. And now back to the show. So I want you to dig a little bit deeper into this, you know, um, common advice that you would give to a lot of female clients Mm -hmm. about like maybe learning more about relaxing and recovering and, um, being okay with not going so hard all the time and things like maybe lower impact movement, yoga, mindfulness practices, breathing practices, all of these things that we all know is good for us. Some of us buy into it more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I've kind of talked about in the past is like this idea that if we have a practice that has worked for us for a while is no longer working for us. So maybe that's super strict keto, or maybe that's seven days a week of cardio. It served a purpose for a while or else we wouldn't have done it. Right. Yeah. And now we need to replace it with something that's going to serve us better now. And it's addiction 101 that you have to replace a bad habit with a good one because you can't just get rid of a habit that has been serving you and then just be like, I'll probably be fine. Mm, I don't know. You know, you got to replace it with something, right? Uh But it's 
not necessarily effective all the time to say, okay, replace this like super high endorphin, like crazy CrossFit workout that you've been doing every day. Just go replace that with yoga for a while. You'll feel better. Like it's not going to give you the same feeling. And so it's going to be really hard to convince people to do that because they want that feeling. They want that feeling of accomplishment or the endorphins or the whatever that they're getting from this other thing. So what kind of advice or how do you kind of uh, speak to clients about that or pa- I don't know if you are calling patients or clients. Just Usually patients, but yeah, I mean, if, if they're outside of the state of California, I call yeah. them clients. Okay. So how do you talk to people about that concept um, if they're not necessarily ready to kind of give up the feeling that the other stuff was giving them, you know? Tough. That's t- it's tough. It's really tough. I would say probably people... People don't really feel, I think, motivated to make those kinds of changes until they actually experience the effects physically on their body or, you know, whatever their symptoms are that they're coming to me for. Once they see how increasing their relaxation and restorative practices, once they actually see that that makes a difference, then they're more inclined to want to continue doing that. So, you know, for example, I had one client who um, she... Finally, I think she she had a an injury, so she couldn't continue with the the types of workouts that she was doing. So she was forced to kind of just relax, and she could take walks, but that was about it. And um, she felt like she lost, you know, she lost like ten pounds of just water. Like she felt way less puffy. Um, she wasn't um, she wasn't holding onto water so much, so she just felt that less inflamed, um, and her PMS symptom de- decreased a lot. Cool. So I think that that in itself, when she had no choice, she had to rest more. She was like, oh, wow, my body's actually responding really well to this. So that was motivation for her to, because I had told her that before and she was having a hard time with it. I was like, you need to chill more. You got to bring that cortisol down. And um, so, yeah, so that was cool to see. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I have another patient who um, stopped with, uh, I don't remember if it was if it was because of COVID that she stopped. She couldn't go to some of the classes that she was going to, um, so she had to just stay home more. I think that was the main reason. And then, but then it was kind of like then she had no motivation. She's very much all or nothing. So she just wanted to like sit around, but then she started feeling guilty because she wasn't doing anything. Um, and so I was like, well, then just go for a walk. It's fine. You know, you can go for a walk every day. That's really healthy to do. If you feel if you start to feel like oh I need to move or you're just getting in your head and feeling uncomfortable just get out and move the energy, just go for a walk outside. And so she started doing that and she felt really good. And she was like, I don't even think I want to go back to what I was doing before. Like, I just feel so much better. And I think a lot of times when, when women can acknowledge that they were burnt out before, you know, we, we, we lie to ourselves all the time. Like we just keep going and going because it's like, again, fitness culture, diet culture, we live in that we're surrounded by it. And if you're on social media, you're influenced by diet and fitness culture. Like it's literally all over Instagram. Yeah. So um, I think whether we are aware of it or not, we're all influenced by it, especially as women who are health conscious, Mm -hmm. whether you work in the health space or not, you know, if you're someone who cares about health and you're conscious about nutrition, you're you're conscious about how you take care of your body, you're going to see that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that we just, we, we think that we're doing these really healthy things and we feel really good about that. We're like, oh yeah, I'm into health and I'm taking care of myself. I'm doing what's good for my body and this is what everybody around me is doing. And so I should be doing it too. 
um, it's all just conditioning. And, and so we've been told to just go, 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 get smaller, 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 get leaner, 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 get this perf, get these flat abs, get this perfect butt, you know, whatever it is that you're going after. Mm-hmm. But, um, when we finally stop and acknowledge like, hmm, yeah, I was, I was burned out. I was tired. Yeah. Then it's, it's just, we, this whole new world opens up and we feel the sense of freedom. Like, and like you were saying too, like you didn't, you actually, your body really hasn't changed very much. And you, no. you really drastically, like the way that you're exercising is really different from before, Huge. but, and it, it kind of just, it's, I, and I've had a similar experience too with all of this. So I feel like it just shows us like, you know, your body is just going to be where it wants to be. And if you don't really try that hard to control how it looks, you might actually like what your body does. Mm. And that's really awesome when you see that like your body will just settle somewhere and you can just live your life. And, you know, we want to still pay attention. Of course, we want to still be mindful. It's not like go out and do whatever you want and eat a bunch of crap and like never move your body. Like that's not at all what I'm saying. But, um, but we really can relax a little bit because I think a lot of us are very much, we get obsessive or not even obsessive, but we just get really fixated on, on these things and we get attached to these things and we don't necessarily have to, like we can relax and we can enjoy our life more than we probably were before. Yeah. And that's really freeing. It's so true. And it's so freeing. And it's, it's very accurate too, that if we could get out of the grips of what, you know, culture and social media is telling us we should look like, and it's, I know it's difficult. We're all victim to it on some level, but if we can actively work to get out from under that, um, what you're saying about like, just trying to be the healthiest person you can be and do the kinds of activity that you enjoy the most, this default bonus of your body changing to, to fit that, to fit that lifestyle that you've created, it very rarely produces a body that you would be unhappy with. Once you get out of this ideal of, I have to be 10% body fat and I have to have that. Some people end up there. Most people don't, but, and, and again, if you're in the industry and you have to look like that for magazine cover, that's a whole different problem. But for the vast majority of us, um, yeah, that natural place that our body wants to be very rarely, I feel people would look at that and be unhappy or think like that's, that doesn't look healthier. That doesn't look good. We might all look different and have different versions of it. And that's the beautiful thing. You know, we should all look different. We don't, we're not all supposed to look like fitness models. Yeah. 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 I like it. I, and I, I like the kind of, uh, psychology behind this. I can't help it because I have two psychologist parents. So I always look at it this uh, way. But like what my, you, my like, bachelor's is in psychology too. So I love, I, I love psychologists for some reason. I don't know. I just kind of attract them to me, but um, <laughs> I like it. It sounds sort of cynical, but it's like this idea you kind of touched on this, that like a lot of people have to sort of almost hit their rock bottom to make changes. Mm-hmm. But the other potentially way you could approach this and how I've tried to approach it with some clients who are at least open to ideas, even if they're worried about changing their lifestyle without hitting rock bottom is this concept of just try it and see. You can go back to this other shitty thing that you're doing if you want to, right? It's like, I had a, I have a friend who um, works for the Knicks, right? So he does like, he's a, a, 
training conditioning person to the next. And he said like one of, one of the guys on the team wanted to be a vegan or vegetarian or something. And <laughs> instead of being like, no terrible idea, he was like, all right, let's try it for a couple of weeks and I'll do it with you and we'll see how we feel. We'll pay attention to it. Like, let's just yeah. try it. I'm assuming this was off season. So the stakes were lower, but anyway, and they did it. And I'm pretty sure this is sort of like a paraphrasing of a story that I, you know, he told me a couple of years ago, but they learned some things. They decided to make some changes moving forward that did not result in him being a long-term vegan, but it's, it's that willingness to try things. So yeah. if you're somebody who beasts yourself every day doing CrossFit and you're terrified of the idea of stopping that because you think you're going to get fat, you're going to lose mm -hmm. weight or gain weight. You're going to look bad, whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just try a different plan for a few weeks and see how it feels. You're not going to lose anything. You're only going to gain because you're going to learn about yourself. If you learn that this new plan didn't work, you still learn something. And that's like the approach that I'm always trying to get people to look at their lives on every level, whether it's like trying a new um, diet or it's reading a different kind of book or it's interacting with a different kind of person. It's just this willingness to just be open and try because that's what life yeah. is, is like having new experiences and learning as a result of it. It doesn't always have to be that every decision you make is a success. That's fine, but you still learn something. And you know, it's like that, all those cliches that you read about in kids' books where it's like, you know, people who it's, you're not a loser. If you fail, you're a loser. If you don't try kind of thing, it's like, exactly. just try it and just see and see yeah. where it goes. You know? Yeah. If you don't try, you already failed. <laughs> yeah. You don't know. You, you haven't learned anything. Right. Um, all right. So we're getting esoteric, which is fine. Love it. But let's, let's talk about some yeah. specific questions that I got on the internets. Cause I got some ladies who are going to be listening to this. that want some answers. Um, okay. So another kind of general, general question about carbs and women and cycles. Do you find generally speaking that women's carb and for that matter, protein, I suppose, requirements change during your monthly cycle? Hmm. That is a great question. I, because I don't necessarily tell people to go low carb, I wouldn't say that I see that very obviously because I'm not really promote like I'm not really promoting keto or um, super low carb diets. I think it, for the majority of women, they do better with some amount of of carbohydrate, um, and the amount is going to vary depending on the woman and her you know her activity level and all kinds of different things. So. Um, the answer to that, I mean, it's kind of like a gray area, I think. Yeah. Um, but probably just knowing what we know about the menstrual cycle, um, I would say that most women, I think, tend to do better with more carbs in the follicular phase, which is the first half of your cycle. So usually, if we're going from an average cycle, it's 28 days. Some women are longer, some women are shorter. So 28 is just the average. Um, so for most women, days 1 to 14, that's your follicular phase. And because we're more, um, estrogen is our primary, per, primary hormone in that phase of our cycle. Progesterone is the primary hormone in the second phase of our cycle. So when we're in the first phase and we have more estrogen, we, there's, um, it's a better time to do more training, um, more, you know, be, you can be more into your workouts. You can be, you're more energetic. And because you're perhaps working out more and pushing yourself more in the gym, you may, you would, you may want to up your carbs in that time. And then in the second half, that's a time to kind of you know, chill out a little bit more, go inward and maybe, um, more of a, a focus on protein and fat instead of, um, 
and less as much carbs. But that doesn't mean not to have carbs in the second half of your cycle, but probably if you're going to be playing around with the timing of them and the amount, it's, it's good to try doing more in the first half. And that's simply just because of the, the effect of estrogen. Okay. It also, it increases our insulin sensitivity. Uh, high estrogen does? Uh, not high estrogen, but when Higher. we have more estrogen around, we'll increase our insulin sensitivity. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why carbohydrates in the first half is, is a good idea. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would maybe just add to, this is all very useful information, but I think it again would go back to the fact that we're all different, right? We all have different experiences um, and, and are eating differently. And it's important to, I think you're a fan of like tracking your cycle and paying Mm -hmm. attention to where you are and just knowing so that you can almost have like an explanation for why you feel a certain way or crave a certain thing and getting to a point where you can listen to what your body's telling you without judgment again. So like what exactly. you said is a great rule, general rule of thumb, generally speaking. But like, yeah, I mean, if you want to try to play around with it, you may try it, you know, try upping your carbs in the first half and then maybe going a little bit less in the second half, or maybe that's not right for you at all. You know, who am I to say? I don't know your body. Right. And like maybe, you know, your, your first day of your period, you decide that you want to go do hill sprints because you're feeling it and that's okay. You don't want to be like, oh, well, you know, in this part of your cycle, you're not supposed to work hard. So I won't. You do what you feel like. And if just because it's, you know, you're in the first week and you're supposed to be doing your hard workouts, you don't feel like it. Don't do what you feel like doing. Um, And I think that's been another lesson that I've learned during quarantine too, where, because before one of the reasons that I, I feel like I was very successful with my kind of schedule as like a work from home. I can make my own hours kind of person is that I also could schedule my life around my workout and going to the gym, which was my like going out event of the day. And it wasn't a decision. I didn't decide. Like I wasn't like every day, Oh, should I work out or not? And like, what am I going to do with the gym? And I don't know. I just go there and do what I felt like. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I didn't have that anchoring my day anymore, it really did start to come back to this. Like, okay, well, what am I going to do then? Yeah. Like, should I go for a walk today? Should I try to force myself to go for a run? Should I try to do some hard like body weight workout at home? Like I had to start thinking about it again, which I kind of didn't really yeah. like, but it yeah. also, I kind of switched the perspective now where I'm like, okay, but now I have a chance to really listen to what my body wants me to do. Yes. And some days that's like, go for a 10 mile hike. And some days that's like, sit on your ass. And I'm doing both of those things when my body's telling me to do it. And it's scream. I've had a very similar experience. And if there's days where, you know, there's going to be days where it's like very easy. You don't even have to think about it. It's like, yeah, I'm going on a hike today. And I'm going to like, this sounds great. I'm ready for it. And other days you're just going to be like, I don't even want to go for a walk. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Like just go with it. And that's what I, again, what I mean by just kind of relaxing and letting our body just sort of do what it's going to do. And we don't have to overanalyze it. We don't have to overthink it. We don't have to make meaning out of it. It just is. Yep. Love it. Okay. Um, I have another question from someone who is asking about possible causes um, of cystic acne. Um, She seems to be getting it um, like along her jawline, I think. And I don't know if it was a specific time of the month, but this leads to kind of a broader question. If this is a sign of something, generally speaking, and also if getting acne or breakouts on different parts of your face or different parts of your body Mm. mean different things. Yeah. Well, the location that's more of a uh, TCM concept, traditional Chinese medicine, they talk about like certain locations. I think like jawline tends to be hormonal, they say. I think um, uh, forehead is more like um, 
digestive organs. So maybe I think gallbladder, um, stomach. I don't know the details. So I, I'm not an expert on, on that. Um, but I, I do see, I mean, because I'm seeing a lot of women for hormonal concerns, a lot of them are getting the jawline acne. So I do believe that that is true. I think there is definitely a hormonal component there. Um, and if there is a hormonal component, component, there's very often a liver component as well, because our liver and our hormones are so interconnected. Um, so, so her question was kind of what to, what to do about that and, and why could that be? Yeah. Um, so for acne, I'm number one, are you hydrating? Because dehydration is a big contributing factor to if you are going to be susceptible to acne. Hmm. Um, the, another, you know, like I said, liver detoxification is a huge thing to look into for that. Um, so I'm always, always optimizing liver function and optimizing detoxification, making sure that your detox pathways are open. Um, we're doing things like sweating and you're making sure that you're having bowel movements at least once a day, if not more. You have to have uh, ways for your body to clear out waste. It's super important. Um, so that's something to definitely look into. Uh, in terms of hormones, it, so, often it can be testosterone related. So if there is excess testosterone around, that can contribute to cystic acne. Um, and other times not, sometimes it is just more an imbalance between estrogen and progesterone, depending on where you're at in your cycle. So I really like using the Dutch test for that because it helps me to know, is this a testosterone thing or is this an excess androgen thing? Um, or is it more related to estrogen progesterone? Um, sometimes it can be for estrogen metabolism. So again, we, we can find all that out from using the Dutch test. So it's really helpful for acne for that case, because we can kind of get to the bottom of hormonally actually what's happening. Okay. I know yeah. that you can also get breakouts as a result of like, you know, not washing your face a lot. And like, you know, if you're putting on a lot of makeup and going yeah. to sleep and you're sweating. Hygiene, hygiene is key. Totally. Yeah. Um, one, one an interesting thing about that, that was something that was recently brought to my attention that I used to never think about. Now I'm way more conscious of it is having a separate towel for our face and what we use like for our body and our hands. Like I used to just use one towel, like I'd keep my shower towel in the bathroom and I would just use it for everything. But now I'm like, oh, I don't necessarily want to wipe my face. <laughs> I wipe other parts of my body. That's a good point. So, good point. And then, so I now have a separate, like a bath, like a small towel, you know, like a hand towel that I only use for drying my face. And I switch it out like way more frequently than I used to. Like I used yeah. to switch towels maybe every week. And now I switch that face towel like every few days. I'm not prone to acne, fortunately, but um, I think that's really interesting. I never thought about that before. So that yeah, that sense. is a very good point. Um, yeah. What about, what also about like food though? Because I feel like sometimes like to a certain oh, yeah. extent, there's like a myth oh, of yeah. like, oh, chocolate gives you zits and like maybe, but does it? I don't know. Or is it something else in that food? Like, is it... Is food, is your diet very strongly yeah. related with, with uh, acne as well? Um, I would say it's, it's related to inflammation. So okay. if you have higher levels of inflammation in your body, if there's systemic inflammation, and that can be coming from the diet. So if you're eating a lot, if there's a lot of sugar, if there's a lot of um, uh, oxidized oils. So like if, you know, if you're cooking with vegetable oils mm -hmm. at high heat, that will create oxidation, which creates inflammation in the body. So we want to make sure you're cooking with things that have a higher smoke point. So like ghee is fantastic. Um, coconut oil, avocado oil. Um, those are better for cooking than things like olive oil. 
Um, or, you know, a lot of times in restaurants or if you're eating out, you're getting like safflower oil and all these other things that are vegetable oils that are not olive oil. And those are not healthy for us either um, to have in excess or to have on a frequent basis. You know, every once in a while, no big deal. Don't stress about it. Um, so that's something to consider. Um, so yeah, and then you want to make sure that you're getting omega-3s. So getting your smash fish, salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring, those are high in omega-3 fatty acids. So that will help to keep inflammation down. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's other lots of different supplements and things that we can do to help keep inflammation down. But that's again, something that I do lab testing for. So when we do lab work, we can see what is your systemic inflammation potentially. Is that contributing to acne? And then of course, gut health is a big thing to look into as well. If there is dysbiosis, if there's imbalances in your microbiome, that will absolutely um, play a big role in skin health. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's a lot to work with. Um, yeah. I have one more kind of big question um, before we sign off. And of course, if there's anything else you want to talk about, like that's why we're here. Um, but I don't want to keep you here forever. Um, but one of the kind of big questions that, that came up a few times um, with people reaching out to me because they knew I was going to speak to you, um, you talk a lot about improving sort of your relationship with both your body and food and coming from a history of disordered eating. And that's, it's a really big and deep and complicated topic. Mm -hmm. And the question that was kind of posed to me in a couple different ways is sort of trying to understand, obviously there are both physiological and mental, like a mental and emotional reasons behind binge eating or restricting eating or just whatever kind of, um, again, disordered sort of approaches to food. So this question was specifically around binge eating. So this kind of cycle of being super restrictive and then having like this weekend where you like lose it and just eat way too much or you feel out of control about it and trying to understand, um, the, again, both the mental and emotional and physiological reasons behind it. So you could maybe be having one major thing, like maybe it's emotional, maybe it's stress, and maybe it's that kind of thing. Maybe it's literally just that you're super low in a, a, a necessary um, vitamin or mineral, right? And your body is just like, just eat a ton of this stuff because I'm missing something, like whatever. <laughs> How yeah. do you begin to even like parse this stuff out? Like if somebody is like, I have had a history of binge eating for years where I do kind of okay and I get really good on this healthy diet and then like once a month I just have this like I lose it for a weekend I don't even know where to start like I don't know if it's um, deficiencies I don't know if it's just weird pattern behavior that I've created over the period of time how would you begin to work with somebody like this to first determine like the root cause and then address address those root causes that's a big question yeah there's multiple things that I do I wouldn't say there's kind of one Thing, and then I do this and I do this. It's kind of like multiple things all at the same time. So number one, with every new patient or client, I always do comprehensive blood work. So I'm always looking to see what their you know, thyroid, hormones, inflammation, um, nutrient deficiencies, and some people even do a full micronutrient panel. So in this case where somebody does have a tendency to go and binge eat, um, often I will want to do a micronutrient test because it's more, even more thorough assessment of their micronutrients than I would get in just the regular blood work panel that I do. Um, so that is something to, of course, look into. Um, but the really key piece is that a lot of people, they'll say like, oh yeah, like I eat really good. You know, I'm really good for like this many amount, this much amount of time. And then in the evenings or every weekend or whatever it is, once a month, 
I will go, I will go and I'll eat all this food. And then I feel really gross and I feel really bad about myself and I beat myself up about it. Um, so I just made an Instagram post about this and it was, it went like, it was crazy. I think it got the most reach of any post I've ever made, Wow! but it very often comes back to, you're just not, you're still not eating enough. Mm -hmm. You got to eat throughout the day. You can't like try to be perfect all day long because if that means like you eat, you know, your perfect two eggs with spinach, like, you know, your perfect little breakfast. And then you're having like a salad with your lean protein, your little bit of chicken breast. And then your dinner is like some fish with asparagus. Anyone would be starving. (laughs) You know, you have to eat way more food than that. Women need to eat, you know, at least, I, I'm not even going to say c- calories because everyone is, everyone is different, but everyone needs at least 2000 calories, if not a lot more than that, especially if you're active. Really? So, all you would, you would feel comfortable saying that all women need at least 2000 calories. I do feel very comfortable saying that. Okay. That yes. is, that is, I got to say a statement because I know a ton of women who are not eating anywhere close to that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And if, I mean, if you're eating, if you have a very, if you have a fat loss goal, a lot of people are going to be eating under that. Um, and I mean, it's, it can be effective, not all the time. Oftentimes it is not effective and others for some people it is. Um, but it's for, for long-term health, that's not optimal. I'm talking for long-term health okay. for optimal, for optimal health and for mm-hmm. longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's worth pointing out here too, and you can back me up on this or, or not if I am not saying the right thing, but I think a lot of people think that the protocol that they need, if they do have a lot of weight to lose or if they are really uh, metabolically unhealthy and they're, they're undergoing sort of a specific protocol to get to a different place, that doesn't mean that you need to be like that forever. So if somebody is very overweight and, and doing a, um, you know, a calorie deficit sort of approach to lose some fat, that doesn't mean that if they if they're eating 1500 calories a day for three months or whatever it is it doesn't mean that because that worked for that time that now you have to eat 1500 calories a day for the rest of your life that the no the, the lifestyle that it takes to make a change is not the lifestyle that you need necessarily to maintain a change and i think that's worth right. pointing out for well, people this is the really interesting thing though is that you know maybe you eat 1500 calories for three months and you get to this your goal ideal body weight where you want to be and then if you start eating a more healthy amount. And I don't mean like going to back to what you were doing before. Cause maybe like, let's say for example, you weren't eating very healthy before, you know, I'm, I'm not saying just kind of like letting go, but if you're, if you're eating a really nourishing diet and you're eating a good amount of calories and you're eating really you know, nourishing, good quality nutrients every day, and you do gain some weight, then perhaps that that weight, your goal weight that you dieted to get to isn't where your body wants to be. And that has to be okay. Like we have to accept, we get to accept, we don't have to, we actually get to just embrace the bodies that we have. That's what I'm really all about. And I think that we can be really healthy and take really good care of ourselves. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to look like how Instagram tells us we should look, but why would we want to look like that anyway? We shouldn't want to, I mean, we should be, we, we want to be embracing and celebrating our differences. And the way bodies can very, look so different and they're all so beautiful. I mean, I'm just, I, I just think the women's body is incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy yeah. what it can do. It's so it's impressive. Yeah. It is insane. It's like a crazy science experiment. Like dudes, yeah. well, I've said this before. Dudes are good. Like I think, I think sometimes we don't give them enough credit. Like we, you know, that whole, again, the other sort of like um, 
popular culture stereotype that allows women to be objectified by saying women are just more beautiful than men. Like women's bodies are <laughs> more beautiful. I'm like, have you seen Aquaman? Like yeah. men's bodies are yeah. very beautiful. Like stop. We're allowed to objectify both yeah. because men are beautiful too. But no, men are beautiful too. <laughs> the range of, of things that the woman's body is capable of doing is yeah. pretty next level. Like that's, yeah. Yeah, we, we need to respect that more, I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that the, just that the, um, eating enough and, and, and spacing it out throughout the day, you know, not just like trying to be perfect, 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 perfect. Yeah. And you finally let yourself eat at dinner. It's like, give yourself energy to get through the day and sustain that because it's like not just doing it one or two days. It's like, you have to do that every day for a long period of time for your body to feel safe. Yeah. Because if your body doesn't feel safe, it's going to be like, get me energy because I don't want to die and yeah. I need to be able to survive. And so that it really is this deep, sort of physiological survival mechanism that all of us, you know, if you put anyone, uh, now I'm going to blank the name on the study. Um, there's, there's, I should, I really should know this. I'm going to look this up afterwards so I can reference it later. Um, yeah. but there is a study where they put men into starvation for, uh, they basically starve them for a certain period of time. And when you let them, when you end that period of starvation, everyone's going to just gorge. Yeah. That's what the body will do. So if you're anyone who binge eats, I'm like, if you're struggling with that, there, there is this level of you're still restricting too much. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that you're eating. The other key piece that I'm always thinking about with that is um, how much sweetness is in your life. Because a lot of times people are wanting to go, go to town on sweets. That's what most people, when they're going on binges or they're overcompensating, they are going to sweet things. And so it tells me that you're craving sweetness in your life. And so I always ask my patients and clients, you know, what can we do? What, what can you do to kind of fill that, that craving for sweet? What are some other things that we can do so that you just feel like nourished and um, comforted and comforted? Yeah. And so your body can feel relaxed. It could be, you know, maybe we need to be having more sex, having more orgasms. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's having, taking baths. Sometimes it's dancing. Um, sometimes it's just more time, like with girlfriends, just like bonding time. And that's hard right now because we can't see people physically in person as much as we did before. Yeah. Um, but, um, that is a good, that is a good point because when I, um, that, that's always been sort of my um, biggest hurdle with eating when I'm being too restrictive. And then I have my like binge weekends where I like go nuts. It's literally always sweet. And it is interesting to think about that. Um, that parallel of like you're eating sweets, maybe in some ways because you just need carbs, you just need whatever it is that your body's craving, but there's also like this emotional or mental craving for like comfort and sweetness and happiness. And yeah. so you're trying to find that with food. It's kind of, I, I never really kind of put it together that way. Like I definitely have, have, um, uh, come to terms with the fact that sometimes when I was doing that, it was because I was either being too restrictive or because I was trying to comfort myself as a result of something else crappy that was going on. But I don't know if I ever kind of directly connected it with like the feeling you're, tr you're not having that you want and trying to get it through sweet food. I kind of never really thought about it that way. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 And then I also think there's coming full circle to sort of what we were talking about in the very beginning at some, there needs to be some level of just accepting and allowing us to have what we want to and not trying to be perfect all the time. So even if I'm saying, okay, even if you're eating, you're eating a lot of food throughout the day, you're eating really healthy, 
letting go of the perfection around that. Because you might say, oh, well, I'm eating more and I'm eating these like perfectly curated meals that are very Instagrammable and like they have all my, I have everything and it's colorful or whatever. But like still let yourself have fun foods every day. It's not just like save it for the weekend, like sprinkle in the sweetness throughout, give it to yourself. I mean, like I pretty much eat dark chocolate every single day Mm. and I love it. It makes me happy. And it's like, just, if you can just be like, you know what, you know, I still see people who are, you know, when I made that post about um, sugar cravings being a sign of, of under eating, that was the post I was referring to. And someone commented, oh, but I just can't get over like my dark chocolate craving. I'm like, then have dark chocolate. Yeah, it's telling you it's something. It's fine. Like, it's okay if you have things that you really enjoy. And some people, it might be a glass of wine. You know, some, we all have our, our things that we really like, and we can't, we can't call them our guilty pleasures. Like, let's just yeah. stop doing that and just be like, I just like this. It brings joy to my life, and it makes life fun. And it helps me stick to, you know, my healthy eating because I get to have these treats every day, too. So I think... Um, there's there has to be this um, acceptance at the same time we can't just go for perfection 100% of the time yes I feel like life is both too short and too long to spend it trying to be perfect all the time right so like just enjoy your life a little bit there's there's always that balance between trying to optimize be the best person you can be and I think maybe being the best person you can be does have a big hand in letting go of things and letting go of like this ideal that no one ever reaches so I I actually really I really like that concept yeah I need to get some dark chocolate it's been a minute um, really? I'm, I'm shocked. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a chocolate person. I've been more into the like pastries and stuff lately, like making, uh, you know, I, I did the, yeah. I did the quarantine baking. I'm making like, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but I miss the chocolate. I need to get back on that bandwagon. Um, all right. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. As always, I love when you come I, on and chat with me too. and talk about girl stuff. Um, <laughs> remind listeners where they can go to get your newsletter, learn more about you, follow you, work with you potentially. Yes. So uh, you can go to my website, drallymichelle.com and subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, I have a booking form you can fill out if you're interested in working with me. Um, I will respond to you and we can set up a free consult. So you can decide if it's something you would like to move forward with. Um, and then I'm on, on Instagram, Dr. Ellie, Mich- Dr. Dot Ellie Michelle. Got it. All yes. right. And we're going to do uh, another one soon because we will never run out of ideas and things nope. to talk about. So uh, I'll get you on the calendar again soon. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Right, everybody that is a wrap thank you so much for being here and spending your time with me as always thank you to dr ellie michelle for giving us her time and her expertise can i just take a minute to acknowledge how many beautiful amazing intelligent women doctors i know and get to have on this podcast i mean i guess that's kind of a humble brag but really i'm speaking for them they're the amazing people who get to come on here and just give us so much free, valuable information. I'm just so grateful um, to Ellie and all of the other guests that I get to have on this podcast. And I'm just grateful to be doing this and for you guys to be listening. So I appreciate as always, when you give me feedback, when you write reviews, when you send me DMs and tell me who you want to have on the podcast, because this really is a, a a project for all of us, right? Like the more you tell me what you want, the more I can deliver for you. So 
keep doing that. Keep reaching out to me. Make sure you check me out on Instagram at the muscle maven. Thank you to our show sponsors, Bubs Naturals, who provide me with my grass-fed collagen that I put in everything, and my MCT that I put in my coffee every morning. Uh, use the code MM20 for a discount at bubsnaturals.com. Um, and also, I guess this is a good time to say, it's, gonna, it's, it's starting to be kind of weird for me to talk about this when I um, haven't talked about it for so long. I've been thinking about it for so long, but haven't been talking about it. But as of this recording, my book, my organ meat cookbook, It Takes Guts, is out there in the world. It is available to purchase. And that's pretty epic. I've been working on it for about eight months, which is actually a short period of time um, when you think about the lifespan of creating a book. But um, it was a manic eight months, I'll be honest with you. And I'm very excited to finally get it out into the world. I'm so excited to start getting it in people's hands and having people make some of the recipes, read some of my stories, hopefully be entertained and nourished by it. Um, I'm just so, so excited to hear what you guys think. So don't forget that book is out there. It exists. Go get a copy. Buy a copy for that friend in your life who is adventurous and uh, wants to eat more organ meats. The book is called It Takes Guts. And you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes & Noble. You can get it in chapters. Wherever you are, you can get a copy of this book. So please do that. Let me know what you think when you get your hands on it. And as always, I appreciate you. And I'll see you back again here same time next week. 